Blog Talk Radio. Warning. You have entered the realm of the gods. So give us your mind and your full attention. So you say you deal with esoteric information? I never heard of such. Well, you're in for a treat. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. I lean hell bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. I lean hell bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. So you claim to be a god? Damn right I'm a god. The maker, the owner, cream of the planet Earth, father of civilization, god of the universe. Wow, I didn't know that. 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 So tune in or lose, friend. All strategies apply mathematically. The information he drop is real powerful. So get your notepad, it's more than an hour full. Watch your jaw, the crew with watch the talk. Indigenous to the land, wherever we stand. First world order, we bring it at home in the first quarter. Invisible lines don't apply, we cross borders. Silly rabbit, knowledge for God. No matter where you resign, Mars, Temple of Mars. So don't fret or proceed with hesitation. Just tune in to Blog Talk to get the information. Peace. Hey, Washington East. This is Brother Fahim Woodrin L. Tonight, I'm filling in for Dr. Asura Aline Wutapakiel Bay for tonight. I'll be your host for tonight. So, um, let's start off. Uh, I'm going to mix my topics tonight. Part of it will be the uh, African Moors Discovery of America. And I will be lecturing from a book called Africa and the Discovery of America by author named Leo Viner. He was an old German that wrote the book and did a lot of research and <clears throat> sailed from uh, uh, from the high seas from across the Atlantic. And, and he was an explorer of the Americas in his day. The book was first published in 1922. And so he, uh, what he found was a lot of things that were a lot that things that, uh, that was different that was taught in a lot of our public schools across the Union States, as still is today. So uh, I'm gonna begin by reading from some parts of this book. And also, I'm gonna deal with the uh, as I, I go further into the lecture, I'm gonna deal with the difference between the Moore Science Temple. And the Moorish Temple of Science of the world, as dealing with the Moorish divine movement as a whole as well. So, well, first off, let me read this from here from the uh, the African Discovery of America. Actually, it's an introduction by peace be upon him by Dr. John Henry Clark. All right. It is my belief that a careful study of the work of Leo Weiner on the pre-Columbian presence of Africans in the Americas and the scholars that follow him will lead to the study of a role of Africans and their relationship to the world. This study reveals that African people have been great adventurers, cultural carriers, and cultural collectors among the people of the world. 
It further reveals that in all this adventuring and wandering, the Africans never launched a destructive war on the people that they met and that a friendship existed between them and the host nation that they have met. It created an amalgam of two people that created a separate culture with its own distinctiveness. The main reason that this is this, the main reason this fact is not known is the cont- content of the education, textbooks, religious teachings, and the Bible itself has been controlled for the last 500 years by Europeans. They have projected an assumption on the world that they did not have to prove because in general powerful people do not have to prove anything except they are powerful. Those of us that are conscious enough this is a fact that we already know, right? Okay. It says here, number one, the myth of the European as a discoverer of other people. There is a tendency to give the European credit for discovering people who were not lost. And that is very true. Because, uh, stop right here, because when they came to the Americas, especially to North America, we already had a structured government here. We already had a structured government, which is what this uh, corporate government is patterned off of. Yes, this is where they get their constitution from, from our already structured government. It's our constitution, not the Europeans. A lot of our people got to get this through their head. It does not belong to the so-called the Constitution of the United States of America does not belong to the so-called white man. As I expressed before in earlier lectures, uh, they, they, they always say it came from England. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to say it again. And like Malcolm said it, I'm going to say it, oh, well, I say it and I say it again. Sisters and brothers, uh, England does not have a written Constitution. Do not have a written constitution. Let me go on. Number two, the myth of the European as a spreader of civilization in general. No people has ever spread any civilization anywhere at any time. People spread their way of life nearly always at the expense of destroying other people's way of life. The world did not wait in darkness for Europeans to bring the light of civilization and the culture. As a matter of fact, Europeans put on more light than they brought, and they destroyed civilizations that were already old before Europe was born. This fact is emphasized in part of the book, The Devastation of the Indies, a brief account by Father Bartolome de la Casas sometimes referred to as the first historian of the New World, or so-called New World, because this world is ancient. America is ancient. Okay? In this book, he estimates that from 12 to 25 million indigenous inhabitants of the Americas were murdered to accommodate Christopher Columbus' alleged discovery. As you say, alleged discovery. After nearly 500 years and enough books about Christopher Columbus and his discovery to fill a library 
we are we are still not too clear as to on for who Christopher Columbus was. If he wasn't if he wasn't an Italian, why did he spend so much time in Portugal and in Spain? Seems like he would have. Uh, that's a good question because seems like as being an Italian, he would spend most of his time in Italy, instead of in Spain. And plus, Christopher Columbus is not an Italian name. Let me go on. If he was from lower social class, how could he have married into into the upper class of his day? Another good question. Where did he get his training as a sailor and a navigator? Another good question. He indicates in one fragment of his diary that he had been to what was referred to as the Guinea Coast, West Africa, and he has had spent 28 years at sea prior to 1492. If this is so, there is a possibility that he could have been part of the early Portuguese slave trade. In 1492, he emerged as Admiral of the Ocean Seas with Queen Isabella of Spain endorsement. What petty officer and officer position did he hold prior to this appointment? In essence, how did he qualify to be Admiral of the Oceans and the Sea with so little experience in command that the world knows about it. Another big question. Maybe one of the great myths in his in history is Christopher Columbus himself. He is a reigning hero of Western civilization and an international known discoverer who discovered absolutely nothing. If Christopher Columbus did not discover the Americas, exactly what did he do of great significance? He opened up the Western Hemisphere, North and South American, and the Caribbean islands for Europe exploitation and eventual domination. He helped to cease, he helped to set in motion a concept of divine white right was violated every law of God and man. This concept rescued European or Europe from the lethargy of the Middle Ages, created modern capitalism and the scientific and tech, technical world that we know today. That is why, among reasons, the Europeans saw fit to read the Africans out of the respectable commentary of human history. To recognize the pre-Columbian presence of the Africans in what is referred to as the New World and their contributions to the indigenous cultures that were already here. You get that? We were already here. Although a lot of those we were the first inhabitants in the Americas before any other. Like it was explained to me earlier from Darlene uh, that the Twa was the was the oldest civilization on the planet, which is on Africa. After the Twa came the Bantu. After the Bantu came the Kush or Kushites Empire. But they all spread it out from Africa, all over Africa, across the Atlantic, into the Americas. Then again, as has been said, that um, the Americas and the African continent was once connected before the Great Split. But we were the first inhabitants. Then the Asians came from the Bering Straits, second and mixed with among our people, or the, or the word goes, amalgamated among our people. 
I have a picture, a post-Civil War era picture of my great-great-grandmother, which was Choctaw. That's evidence of that. Okay. Let me go on here. You cannot do this to a people and justify their enslavement. For 500 years, the world has been mainly ruled by a form of European nationalism that are denied the contribution of other people to that human activity referred to as civilization. Professor Weiner's book shows that the Africans, along with the indigenous Americans referred to as Indians, were partners in the creation of durable civilization long before the emergence of the Europeans in this part of the world. In this book, Professor Weiner tells us more than the facts about the pre-Columbian presence of Africans in the world. I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to go back to say where Professor Weiner's book shows that they are Africans along with the indigenous American referred to, Americans referred to as Indians. Well, let me, let me, let me go, go back. Now, a lot of our people are referred to as Indians. And that sometimes the so-called Indians are referred to as Negroes. Or some people still refer to us as Native Americans because we are aborigines indigenous to this land. And the the so-called Native Americans, the Algonquins, because said before we were here before them, long before them, they came second. They were the second inhabitants, and they mixed with our people, and we mixed with theirs. This is why you have so much of our blood in them, and so much of their blood in us, because we mixed more. I mean, they had mixed with other races. Uh, with European races, other Asian races, and and so on and so on, but no other races had they mixed with much as they mixed with ours, and uh, and and we mixed with theirs. Okay, I want to get that cleared out there. Okay, in this book, of, okay, uh, this is a book not only about the exchange and the amalgam of culture. This is a book about the development of products such as cotton and the origin of some of the vegetation we all take for granted. It is not too subtle the way Professor Weiner is saying that the geography now referred to as the Americas and the Caribbean islands could have done without the discovery by Europeans and might have been better off. The encroachment of Europeans on the land, people, and the cultures of this part of the world was protracted or act of aggression that has not ended until this day. It is clear that the Africans and the Aboriginal Indigenous Americans could have put together the amalgamate way of life without destructive war against each other. For the Europeans to have achieved this, he would have to respect the humanity of the people that he found, and he showed no tendency to do so in spite of the fact that most of them treated the Europeans as guests until they decided to be conquerors and enslavers. And that was one of the reasons why we enslaved a lot of their people. And I say it again, yes, we had them as slaves as well on a massive scale. That was one of the part of our downfalls because we were supposed to take on such a behavior. 
supposed to be developers of humanity. And somewhere along the way, we lost our way in doing that. Let me go on here. This mistreatment of the people and their slow disappearance through disease, murder, and starvation that populated large areas of the Americas and the Caribbean islands, Christopher Columbus asked for Father de la Casas, who came over on his third voyage to petition the Pope for an increase in the African slave trade, allegedly to save the soul of the Indians. This Pope sent commission to commissions to inquire into the condition of the Indians only to discover that on some islands in the Caribbean Sea there was not one Indian left alive. Hmm. This is a book about an invented history that changed the world for all times. It is a sad story that did not have to be. What the Africans and the indigenous Americans have given the, to the world as a part of a total humanity that must be respectably considered in order to build a world where all people can walk in peace and dignify with their respective contributions accepted. Says here John Henry Clark, April 1992. Well, I'm going to go on here and dealing with, uh, we all know that the cotton wasn't uh, organic to the Americas, those of us that are conscious of that, of that fact. The cotton, bananas, all that was brought from the African continent to the Americas. Our African Moorish ancestors brought that here in the Western Hemisphere. And this is what a lot of people think that bananas and cottons are organic here in the Americas. That's not true. It says here, in the seven styles of clothing, it says the cotton in Mexico. It says, cotton is merely a generic term for cloth, not made from wool, linen, or hemp. This corroborated by the fact that Guiraja, according to Aviado's account, referred to the word cotton, both to a delicate, both to a delicate and a coarse material. But we, however, an older account, have an older account of Guiraja, Java's expedition, which was published in Italian in 1522. Here we find that the costly mantlets referred to is as of silk, just as the anonymous author uses silk for as wool. So his term, Bambagia, to say the least, include the, the Magua and the Hennequin, from which the most Indian cloth was made. The same looseness expression is found in Cortez's letters. The clothing which they wear is like long veils, very curiously worked. The men wear breech cloths about their bodies and large mantles, very thin and painted in the style of Moorish draperies. You hear what I said? Say it again. The men wear breech cloths about their bodies and large mantles, very thin and painted in the style of Moorish draperies. This book was written in 1922. 
I just want to give you a brief history of the African Moorish discovery of the Americas. But now I'm about to get into the temples, the Moorish Science Temples Incorporated of America and the Moorish Temple of Sciences of the world. I deal with the Moorish Divine National Movement when it began in 1913. Okay. I'm going to start off with Noble Ali, the prophet, the holy prophet in our times. It says here, Nabi, Sheikh Sharif Abdul Ali, Nabi mean noble. Okay, Nabi, Sheikh Sharif Abdul Ali, Prophet Noble Abdul Ali, or the Nabi could mean prophet. So don't quote me on that. All right? So here, the royal region of the empire, Washington, D. de Ramandia, Moors, Moors and the fifth Marquis de Maison Rouge, was the founder of the old Canaanite Temple, 1913. If you notice, the temples uh, were, say, founded in 1913 A.D. Those of you who don't know what A.D. means, means after the year of domination. does not mean in the year the death of Christ. does not mean after the death of Christ. And some people refer to uh, the so-called Moor, uh, uh, Roman Latin, which is Moorish Latin, uh, referred to as in the year of our Lord, but no, is that is that the year in the year of domination? I want to make that clear. Also, okay, let me read this again. It says the fifth Marquis de Maison Rouge was the founder of the old Canaanite Temple, 1913, the Holy Moabite Temple of Science of the World, 1916, the Moor Holy Temples, Moor's Holy Temple of Science. 1916 and the, the most divine and national movement of the world, 1916 to 1919. It says here, note, during the same year of 1916, the so-called Jewish people established the Zion movement, the Moorish Temple of Science, 1925 and 1926, and the Moorish Science Temple of America Incorporated, 1928. Note, in 1929, just a year later, the Vatican followed suit and formed the Papal State, being incorporated in Rome, Italy was a family member of the Tunica. I'm going to read this over again to get a better understanding, okay? Okay. Now, since in uh, the, uh, the Tunica tribe, uh, Turner, which is English, Prophet Nobar Jawali's mother's maiden name was Turner. That's the English term. But uh, the, 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 the Aboriginal indigenous term is Tunica. Her name was Eliza Turner. Before 1910, Timothy Drew, Prophet Nubu now Sheikh Sharifa Duali, was a member of the Moors Zionist Temple in Brooklyn, New York, founded and established in 1899 by Leon Richelieu. Moorish Zionist Temple, hence the origin of the name, Moorish. Science Temple of America. Phonetically, Zion sounds close to the word, to the word science. Prophet Noble Ali in 1913 moved to Newark, New Jersey, and formed the Canaanite Temple. 1913, 
happened to have been the same year as that Federal Reserve Bank, the Internal Revenue Service, and the Birth Certificate Department were all formed, etc. These are not mere coincidences. Cold means two. There are more than two incidences. All Moorish, Moorish groups are part of the Moorish Divine and National Movement. Therefore, we of the United Washington, Dida de Mandia, Moors do not debate on who is the rightful Khalifa or successor. successor. There is no proof of any one. It is a mere opinion and speculation whether it's Edward Mealy L., John Gibbon L., Charles Kirkman Bay, David Ford L., or Master or, or David Ford L., known as Master Fahad Muhammad, which was said to be in the nation of Islam as God in person. Uh, but I ask a lot of you that's listening uh, here tonight on the show, do your own research on that about him being God in person. Okay, that's what uh, Master Fahad name was when he was a member of the Moor Science Temple when he was up under Noble Juwali, David Ford L. Okay, the Dingle L. Brothers, Timothy and Richardson, or etc., it does not matter. We are all Moors. That is true. It does not matter. We are all Moors, or Moors. M-U-P-U-R-S. By real law, birthright, and nationality, blood, heritage, lineage, not by colorable law, organization, societies, or tribal national affiliation. You got that? thing about there is no difference between when you when you uh, we as Moors, we as Aboriginal indigenous people, Moors, more by Asiatic people, Moroccans, okay, what have you, there is no difference whether you belong to a Moor Science Temple of America or the Moors Temple of Science of the World. We are all part of this great Moorish divine national movement. We all are. The difference is a lot of our Moorish uh, uh, science temples and carpenter has been compromised. You will not get the same teachings and lectures as we get, as Arlene, Kadira, myself, Tosh, Tariq Bay. Uh, Brother Abdullah El Talib Mosi Bay, Sadir, uh, Sister Raj Mariah Bay, Dr. Hakeem R. Bay, and Dr. Bill Valentine L. Uh, I can go on and on and on. You know, you would never get the same teachings like from Sister Jaffa Bay. Jaffa Bay. Never. Uh, the, uh, uh, what that we teach uh, in the Moore Science Temple. Of America Incorporated. Why? Because they have been have been compromised. Now we have the Moors Temple of Science of the World. We of the Washita United Washita Dinamamdia Moor Empire Nation. We have the then you have the Akitiwa, the Benishmael Moors, the Nanako Lanape. You have. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are all 
part of this Moore's great divine national movement. There is no difference between the Moors outside of the Moors Science Temple of American Incorporated than the Moors there. The only difference is that they have been compromised and they do not teach real true nationality and birthright issues. Teach real civics. And I'm telling you this because uh, you keep coming up and and people, some people may say, well, if they're not in the temple, they're not actually Moors. No, 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 no. No, we are all Moors. Whether you're in the church, whether you're in the synagogue, or whether you call yourself Hebrew Israelite, whether you Pentecostal, Apostolic, Church of God in Christ, Nation of Islam, Black Panthers, and I can go on and on and on. We are all Moors. We are all Aboriginal Indigenous. We are all Moors by birthright. That's how I heard it, birthright. We are all nobles. If you see a pimp, a drug dealer, he's still a noble by birthright. A hustler, a murderer, a rapist, he's still a noble by birthright that no one can take from her or him because that they're inherited right. So I hope a lot of you people can understand that. You've got a lot of people that are saying that uh, uh, in order for you to be a Moor, you have to be uh, in the Moor Science Temple Incorporated. That's a lie. It's a blatant falsehood. Still, again, they cannot take away their nationality and birthright. A lot of them don't know it. There is no difference. Like I say, the only difference is the way we all teach. You say in the Moorish Temple of, of in America, in corporate America, they, they, they ask you, you know, you stand up, then you announce your nationality. And they ask you to come down to talk to, to, talk to, the, uh, to the Grand Sheik. He gives you a card, a membership card. And that's when you proclaim your nationality. That's not how you could proclaim your nationality, sisters and brothers. And I want, and I have to say tonight, a lot of you, there's a members of these more simple, uh, temp, uh, more science temples of a corporate of America. Those of you that are members of these temples are not nationalized Moors. You are Moors by every birthright. Yes, your birthright. Yeah, you are Moors, but nationalized Moors, you are not. Stand up in a temp, temple and say, I declare my nationality as a Moorish American. No, there's a lot of paperwork that goes with that. And that's what we do as Moorish Temple of Science of the World, the Great Seal Moors, the Washita Dida Moor Nation Empire, the Akitiwa Moors, the Benishmael Moors, and et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we do. We do paperwork. 
because paperwork was done on us when we were born. They took, they took our footprints before our feet even hit the ground. So therefore, we have to do paperwork to undo a lot of this. You hear a lot of, oh, uh, no uh, 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 white folks don't give a damn about no papers. Yes, the hell they do. That's what people were done on your ass when you was born. So therefore, you have to do paperwork to rebut all that. That's what ought to undo all that that was done to you, sister and brother. And this is the true Moore's Divine National Movement. It says here, Eliza Turner, Tunica, and John Andrew Quitman, Keatman, son, Prophet Noble Duali, Nabi Shikharipa Duali, the royal region of the Empire of Washita, Didi Lamandia, continued the massive work in 1928. Common era, he went to the Pan-American Conference, held in Havana, Cuba. Secretary of State Hughes went, went down to represent the United States, and Noble Duali went down to represent the Moors. He didn't say, and I, I'm, I'm going to read this again to you. Read this again to you. I want you to listen very, very, very carefully, brothers and sisters. Eliza Turner, parentheses Tunica, which is her real name, and John Andrew Kitman, Kitman's son, Prophet Nubu Duali, Nabi Shikariba Duali, the royal region of the Empire Washita, D. Dudamandia, continued the massive works. In 1928, common era, he went to the Pan-American Conference, conference held in Havana, Cuba. Secretary of State Hughes went down to represent the United States, and Noble Duali went down to represent the Moors. They didn't say anything about the Moors Science Temple of America Incorporated or the Moors Temple of Science of the World, or the Akitawa Moors, the Great Seal Moors, the United Washington, the Zamandia Moors. It says the Moors, the Moors in general, the Moors, period. We are all under the Great Seal. Which they don't talk about on the dollar bill. You always see the eagle, but you never see the seal. Well, they always tell you where well, they don't have enough room to put the seal on certain documents. <coughs> That's the lie they give you. Okay, let me move along here. The mandate of the landmass of the greater Amexum, North Central and South Central Amexum, misnomer as the North Central and South Americas, was returned to the Moors. Noble Juali knew what that meant and that what the ramifications of this was and is swift and you know hold up you know and it, and it was swift uh, it says here Angel Elihu Pleasant Bay Red Exhumant of a Nation the Autobiography of Prophet Noble Juwali Ali took several, several, Ali took several stop gap measures to secure our Moors birthright Inheritance and beneficiary interest as Moors, as Moors, period. 
It doesn't say there's no temple moors. It doesn't say there's no whoever else. Moors. Period. To the land mass within the information mentioned land mandate and which was part of the vast express trust under the auspices of the Moorish national and divine movement of the world and its civic and religious corporations. The Moorish Holy Temple of Science of the World, civic and the Moorish Science Temple of America, religious. Because the Moorish Science Temple of America is on a religious based. The Moorish Temple of Science deal of the world deals with civics. That's the difference in the way we teach. And it's different the way we teach. And it's different the way we nationalize of the Moors. Okay? The Turner name is derived from the indigenous name Tunica and the other nations, tribes, and bands came together to form the Empire Washita, D. de Namandia, Moor Washita, Tunica, or Turner, Gustin L. Bay. It says here, note the following document shows Eliza Turner's noble Drew Ali's mother name was one of the persons that owns the portion of the Louisiana proper land misnomer Louisiana Purchase. Those of you who don't know so much about that, I advise you to uh, contact Dr. Eileen, uh, com and contact and get this book for the ancient ones. I don't know if you still have a copy of those books or not. It will tell you a lot about the so-called Louisiana Purchase. Okay. Because we got uh, six, over 68,000 land of Amer- of North America. And still, they have not rendered it to us yet. To us yet, but they will soon. Just a matter of time. <clears throat> a lot of us. Um, a lot of you. I hope you get to what I'm. What I'm trying to tell you here about the uh, the difference between the Moors uh, Science Temples, excuse me, and the, and the Moors Temple of Science and the other Moors Divine National Movements of, uh, across the country and the world. Like I say, the Moors uh, Science Temples have been compromised, and that's why you never see them really advance anywhere because they have been stagnated, they have been infiltrated. And certain uh, more or other Moorish organizations, I'm not going to name them off right hand, no, right now, but have been infiltrated as well. But it is 1913. This is 2016. That was 103 years, going on 103 years now. But we do have a lot of inroads and advance and certain small groups and areas, a group in areas that we are progressing. Certain certain areas that we are progressing, a lot of us are buying land, uh, a lot of us have purchased land with allodium titles, 
tied to that land. The Lord of your title, which means free land, means you do not owe no taxes or anything on that land. That land is yours. That is your property. That is real, true law. Okay? Uh, uh, we need to... Uh, um, I know there's a lot of been a lot of confusion about a lot of Moors uh, about who are the Moors, who are the real Moors. <laughs> well, we all real Moors. There's no such thing as uh, Temple Moors being the real Moors, Moors that are outside of the Temple being the real Moors. We are all Moors by birthright and inheritance, birthright inheritance. And nationality. I want to get that out there, okay? Okay. Now, all over the Americas, you know, from the Olmecs on up, we have all descendants from the Olmecs that also came from Africa. Talking about America, the civilization started here in America, but that's up for debate because there hasn't been no proof. On archaeological proof of such a statement, they haven't found any artifacts or archaeological evidence of anything, any human fossils older than the ones in Africa. They still haven't. So that's still, like I said, that's still up for debate, concern. Uh, human, uh, the human race started in Africa. Like I said before, an early in the lecture, it started with the Twas, then the Bantus, then the Kushites. And they all spread it all over the world as navigators. Because Moors are navigators, right? Okay. It says here, in South America, the Mandingo Contondo words was, I mean, are found southwards from Venezuela to Peru and central Brazil. In Venezuela, the Mandingo word is best preserved in some Caribbean languages. Here we find Camanagora, Atacura, Chema, with the Macu south or west of, of Guyana. Katoka shows that an initial K has been lost in the other languages. Bakari in central Brazil, near the Zinga River, has which in uh, called Nahuqua is corrupted in Taroka, still for the south on the Rio to Cantons, we find non-Caribbean Epinages, uh, Epinages, Yaya Kuras, cotton, other languages apparently related to Caribbean 
have similar words. Between the Perusa and the uh, super languages from these forms, it would appear that the, that the language of Venezuela had had to the south began with the form of Malinka. Malinka is an African term. Says here, but it is more likely that we have here the Saninka, the similar forms in the other Mandingo languages, literally cotton plant. In the extreme southwest, the latter Indian forms are abbreviated in Moksa Kohar. Let me say this again. In the extreme south was the latter Indian forms of abbreviated in the Moksa Kohar, but these forms are bound throughout of the whole region where we have Manduka. There we go. You know, these different words, some of these words I cannot pronounce, so I'm not going to try to pronounce them. It says here, some of these languages seem to have Caribbean affinities, but Baniba is class, classed as New Arawak. N-U-A-R-A-W-A-K. New Arawak. N-U-N-U hyphen A-R-A-W-A-K. Okay. In the Kutra, Peru, we have an abbreviated name Utku, which Amara is another abbreviation of the original Allah, or Atta, or the Bakari, or a similar form. So all these words apparently proceed from the shores of Venezuela, in any case from the north, but there is another series of words which begin at the eastern shores of South America, from somewhere in Brazil, and from these visited northward and westward, we have us and the Tupi languages, Brazilian, Amanu, Amaju, and Amanju, Amidu, all these words, okay? Ayapi, and in the Caribbean languages, these become Galibi, Amulu, Manhulu, Muru, and the islands Manhulu, Minholo, Van den Steinen, also records, uh, <clears throat> records that these are the corruptions of the same original word becomes clear from the anti Ampeji in the western part of Peru, where the letter is obviously a development of Apioco. But this anti Ampe explains Chimu, Yam, the farthest corruption of the word. Chimu. Mashika has parentheses. Mashika has the tendency to turn words as much as possible into monosyllables. And Spanish caballo, horse, here becomes cold. Even thus, jam represents the Tupi word for cotton, but the Brazilian words are still obviously derived from Cambudus. Cambudu is the language of Angola. Say it again. Cambundu is the language of Angola. Whence, therefore, the Portuguese brought the cotton to Brazil, whence it spread westward as far as Peru. Which shows you that the cotton is not organic to the Americas, North, Central, or South America, or the adjoining islands. So there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been told yet. 
about the Moors or the African Moors discovery of America. Not by Columbus, not even by the so-called Indians. As some people may call Algonquins. See, let me look here. Here it is. It says here by the referencing of the Ivan Ban Sertima's book, African Presence in Early Asia. Okay, the Shang, the Shang, the Shang, uh, the Shang, who may have originally come from the West, were so-called black, a present-day people known as Naga, Naki, Nasi, Tanisi, Serpent People. Naga means serpent people, which we are, uh, which on my nationality card uh, for race is called Naga Asiatic. Serpent body of people. The name Naki was apparently given to the shame by the Mosul people. These people currently live in the Tibetan mountains. The chain is recognized as putting China and new on its history proper, acquainted with metalworking and bronze, the making of a form of porcelain, ware, silk, weaving. The Shang people were credited with bringing together elements of China's earliest known civilization. Meaningful indication of an African presence in ancient Japan, Nippon, have been unearthed from the most remote of ages of Japanese past. Again, with an essay, a significant example, a 15, a, a February 15, 1986, report carrying the Associated Press chronicle that the oldest stone age hut in Japan has been unearthed near Osaka. Archaeologists date the hut to be about 22,000 years ago, said it resembles the dugout of African Bushmen, according to Wazoo. Rose and of, 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 of Osaka, Japan, the Federal Board of Education, Cultural Division, other homes almost as old has been found before, but this discovery is significant because the shape, the shape is, is cleaner, better preserved, and is similar to the African dugouts. It shows that we've been all over the world, except just the Americas. I just want to put that out there. Because America is the corruption of Morocco. I'm just saying it is for those who don't know. Because when you uh, when you always speak of Morocco, most people would think you're talking about Northwest Africa. That's the Moroccan Kingdom. Here is the Moroccan Empire. Okay, let me move around here. Hmm. It says here, now you have in the, the book of the First World Order, has the principles, questions, answers for nationals. Number one, what wars were fought 
and the interests of the Washita, the so-called Barbary, the Politan Wars of 1803 to 1815, the Napoleonic Caribbean Wars, 1804, to 18, uh, the War of 1812 against the British, 1812 to 1815, and number four, the so-called Seminole War of 1817 to 
the Imperial International Estate of the Brabant Habsburg Empire, which includes Western Europe, the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, Switzerland, Germany, Italy, Sicily, Naples, Sardinia, Spain, Portugal, as well as most of North America, the Caribbean, in addition to Central and South America and through his Washita wife, Anna Marie, all of North America, west of the, the, the Imperial Demarcation Line, 1713, or British Proclamation Line, 1763. Notice the Habsburg, known as the European Noble Family, or European Family of Nobility. Or some people call it uh, them the Black Nobility. Why do they call them the black nobility? These were Moors. All right. Says here, number nine. How did Henry Turner receive the international state by way of Spanish grant? By way of Spanish grant. Okay, let me see this. Uh, let me read this again. How did Henry Turner receive the international state? Okay, the answer is by way of the Spanish land grant in accordance with the U.S. Supreme Court decision of June 19, 1848. Why did Henry Turner... Senior, Mary, Sarah, and out of the Cotton Union came who? Henry Turner Jr., George W. Turner, and Eliza Turner. This is the history I'm reading to you about now. Okay. This is all you know dealing with part of the uh, Moore's uh, discovery of America. Part of that. This is all relevant to what I'm talking about, but this lecture tonight, to this topic tonight. Okay? So bear with me. Okay. It says here Eliza Turner was the mother of who? Prophet Noble Timothy Drew Ali, the founder of the Moorish Science Temple of America. The Imperial Aimarie's second daughter is, what was her name? Lulia. Who was Lulia's daughter? Malia. Who was Lulia married to? The Marquis Louis Bougainville Garrison. Number 15. The Malia, the Mahalia, Received the Imperial Washita Crown throne during the same time Henry Turner Jr. assumed the the Dibabon Habsburg Imperial Crown throne? Yes, he did. So that shows our people are connected to a lot of the powers and the nobility of families in Europe. shows you that. Okay? A lot of people think that these people are just Europeans. No, they're what you call Tony Moors. 
the Amorth. Okay. Okay. Who is Empress Veriachi? Tiari, Washita, which is Washington is derived from the word Washita. Washington is the corruption or the English version of the word Washita. Okay, you hear uh your movie actors like Daniel uh Denzel Washington, uh Carrie Washington. Actually the names is Denzel Washita and Carrie Washita. Okay. It says here I'm gonna read this again, okay. When was the Empress Vidyachitiari Washita Tunica Gustin L. Bay born? Says here, May 4th, 1927. Who crowned Empress Vidyachitiari? Empress Delphia Kim's Badger. Number 19. What is the purpose of the Washita Dito Amandia Moorish Empire? A way out from the oppression of the United States corporation. It can enable you to escape the corporate syndrome as well as the countless godless laws bound upon you through statutory contracts of, of adhesion. Number 20. What is the purpose of the United, United Washington D.J. among the Moorish nation? To reanimate and to resurrect the dry bones in the valley, meaning the mentally dead, the deaf, dumb, and blind, and give them Light, meaning knowingly of truth and even darkness, will be their treasure. Number 21. Who are the Washita today? They are the indigenous people virtually all over the world who have come to the conclusion that being natural to this earth is far healthier than being corporate contracted slaves. Ideally, they do not inspire to use trick words or force to get their way is led by the spirit of goodwill. They live to serve one another in that spirit. They live to be free of ignorance, fear, anger, greed, and lust, standards of modern life. They are learning to view the events of daily life as lessons, lessons about themselves, their thoughts, speech, actions, and worldly reactions. The Washington today are progressive people actively learning about themselves and improving their character. And this is what boys all over the Union States are doing. The Austin, the Kitiwa, the Benishmael, uh, those that call themselves the Great Seal Moors, which we all are also. Brave uh, Nation Trial, Anapi, Nanako, uh, whatever. We all improved ourselves not only in this uh, Western Hemisphere, the North, South, Central, and South Americas, and the adjoining islands, but also all over across the world, because we are Aboriginal, Indigenous people of the world. Need to get that understanding as well. This thing about. Uh, you know, you have to join a more science temple of uh, America Incorporated. That's a lot of hogwash. You know, 
is if you want to decide to wear a fez or a turban, that's up to you because that's your birthright. What brother? Somebody may ask you, what right have you to wear that fez or turban? My birthright gives me the right to wear it by inheritance. That would be your answer. Although you may not be nationalized at that time, but you still have the right to wear a fez or a turban by birthright inheritance. Okay, I hope a lot of you get that. And don't let nobody tell you anything different. I don't care who they are. Okay, it says here, what is the Washita today? The Washita Dizalamandia is an empire, a nation, developing transition government. The Washita Dizalamandia proper is the seat of the imperial government. The Washita Dizalamandia Moors are a nation of indigenous people. The Washita is the land of the ancient ones. The Washita Empire has a legacy of over 100,000 years of rulership by empresses. I'm going to stop right here. The Washita Empire has a legacy of over 100,000 years of rulership by empresses. Empresses, not by empress, by empresses. It is the oldest tribal nation in the world, which supersedes any tribal nation in Africa, New Guinea, or Australia. Okay? which means it always had been under matriarchal rule, not patriarchal. All this concept, this patriarchal concept, is wrong because women were here first, before us. They're the ones that brought us here. Because at one time, point of time, believe it or not, especially you brothers, believe it or not, women did not need, or Asiatic women did not need us to impregnate them. Because they had to be, their high spiritual vibratory rate would be so high, they could, they could germinate their own eggs. Or they used to sit in the sun to open up their legs and let the sun rays hit their vagina and uterus areas. They used to have that ability, but they lost that ability years ago. I even still hear in some instances where some of that is still going on, believe it or not. Now, it's up to you to believe it or whether you want to believe this or not. It's not to you to believe in anything. You don't need to be believing in anything you need to know. Okay? Let me move along here. Okay. 
Her Maj- uh, Majestic Highness Riachi Tiara Washita Tunica Gustin L. Bay is the reigning empress of the Washita Moor Nation. She is a legal heir to the Masan Rouge and land grants that are, were skillfully willed to her great-grandfather, Henry Turner, son of the Marquis Masan Rouge. The Washita today is a place where indigenous people can come to be their best, a legacy of original people and a land of opportunity for personal and spiritual growth. Says here, where is the Washita today? The Washita deeded among the empire is unbounded. The ancient ones, the mound builders, builders live all over the earth. We don't have no meaning. We don't have no special place where we live, because we all live in our temples. Anyway, temples mean we live in our bodies. But we all live all over the earth, the planet Earth. This is where we all domicile, quarters, or nothing like that. Moors, we are all Moors. We are Moors, earthbound, connected people. That's what a Moor is. A Moor is an aboriginal, indigenous woman or man or child. That is a Moor. Some people say, I said, I said it maybe in a couple of lectures ago, uh, some some uh, sisters and brothers may say, "I'm uh, uh, why do they got to say Aboriginal? I'm original man. I'm original woman." Well, well, look here, in the Chambers Etymological Dictionary, where I found out Aboriginal meaning the very first original. Ab meaning the very first. If you don't believe me, check it out in the Chambers Etymological Dictionary. The Chambers. Etymological Dictionary. Look it up. Aboriginal Indigenous? Hmm. I can take that to the bank, y'all. That's fine with me. I mean, no, don't get me wrong now. If you want to still call yourself original, I have no problem with that. <clears throat> but don't try to come and tell me, you know, I'm wrong for saying I'm Aboriginal. That's all I'm saying. Now, the Chambers Etymological Dictionary, that's where I learned that from. Now, your 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 disagreement will go with the book, will be toward the book, not me. So, therefore, you have a problem with the book, not me, okay? All right, let me move along here. When will the Washtar be recognized? The Washtar Nation is recognized by the United Nations and and given the Indigenous Peoples Project number 215-93. The Empress of Washtar Didudamandia Empire has been addressed in writing as the Empress of the Washtar and the Washtar Nation address in writing or address is writing at the Washtar Nation each by the United Nations. <coughs> the corporate United States of America and the corporate state of Louisiana. However, due to the magnitude of the changes which are bound to occur as a result of the Washington Dita Monday Empire, the Washington Nation and the Empress of the Washington being recognized, 
No corporate entity has been eager to relinquish their control over the land, resources, and people they currently dominate. I mentioned that earlier. That we have 60 over 68,000 land in North America. And that they're still not willing to relinquish that land to our people. As the Empress, uh, she had uh, passed away about a couple of years ago, peace be upon her. You know, but I would love for our work to continue and to keep and to keep her legacy going. As a lot of us are still doing. As Dr. Arlene Makadira L. Bay, myself, Taj Tariq Bay, you know, Sister Rosemary Bay, all the rest of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are keeping the legacy going. Okay, so continuing her work. Okay, <clears throat> says here the question: Why domination and concept of ownership comes from the idea of scarcity? The ancient ones believed everything came from came from belongs to and returned to the creator. No individual being owns anything. They merely have the opportunity to use worldly things while they roam about their flesh temples while evolving in spirit. Modern times have nearly eliminated the values, be, beliefs, and attitudes of the ancient ones. When the European colonists traveled the globe, preaching the, world, the word of salvation to indigenous people, they could not sleep without guns and fortifications to protect them from nature and indigenous people. They took their fears and sense of scarcity, and with them, everywhere they went. Fortunately, the Washita Empire has established the foundations whereby the idea of scarcity will be eliminated. No one needs fear. They will be without shelter, food, and, food and unity of the community. Such freedoms coincide with the natural laws of indigenous people. It says here, how is the Washita today? The Washita today is scuffling with the ignorance, fear, anger, greed, and lust of modern life, just as the undivided duel must do to overcome centuries and lifetimes of confusion. Said authorities that ignore, deny, and violate the sovereign rights of the Washita people Nation and empire are in violation of international, national, and natural laws. The creator is just violations will be unanswered. Lessons learned and humility applauded. Okay, here's one of a more in, uh, in history during the revolution of, of the so-called revolution of this country. Okay. It was, the question is, who is Bende Emmanuel Muali? He is commonly known today as Benjamin Banneker. Sometimes uh, called Benjamin Franklin, who was also the African Lodge 459 founder, Prince Hall, 
According to the Clock of Destiny, Volume 2, page 13, by Charles M. Bay, states, Prince Hall only is only a mystic name. Yeah, because Prince Hall was his cipher name. That's what he means on his mystic name. It's just like uh, uh, Francis Bacon or William Shakespeare was his cipher name or his mystic name. Because I'm, I'm really believing that Shakespeare never did, William Shakespeare never did really exist. He was Francis Bacon. Like Prince Hall is to Benjamin Banneker. Or as we, we say in Moore's terms, Ben Bay Emmanuel, Emmanuel Mu'ali. Okay? So after King Solomon, Hiram, Abeth, Queen of Sheba, and David are only mystic names. That's right. Say it again. So also King Solomon, Hiram, Abeth, Queen of Sheba, and David are only mystic names. That's right. Benjamin Banneker was a Moor that designed the city of Washington, D.C., and the city of Philadelphia, etc. And a lot of people would say the Moors, some of the Moors were traitors, some of the Moors uh, were sellouts, you know. Well, a lot of that's not true, you know. Some Moors were sellouts, but some Moors... Uh, weren't exactly sellouts. They had fought against other Moors, the Moors that dealt with slavery and oppression of other people. Because primary, primarily, that was not what we are supposed, what we were supposed to have been doing. We were never supposed to be involved in slavery of any group of people, of any race or nationality. Anyone, not even our own people which we enslave our own people. We enslave Europeans too, Asians and other peoples on a massive scale. This has also been recorded. For those who don't believe what I'm telling you tonight. Because that's one thing and so-called American history, they don't want you to know. They will never teach you in your history class. They will never teach you in schools, in the textbooks, that they will teach you quick about us enslaving our own people. They will teach you quick about us enslaving other people. They will not teach you what they do not want out as us enslaving European people or so-called white people. They don't want that out. They don't want that out that at one time we had power over them. At one time, we used to rule the South at one time. Speaking of so-called American history, if any of you ever studied the Civil War, who do you think who, who, who fired those artillery cannons at the Battle of Bull Run, the first Battle of Bull Run? That was a so-called black artillery regiment that fought them, fought them, uh, that shot off them cannonballs at them Union soldiers. Which is the first Battle of Bull Run was one of the first Confederate, if not the first Confederate victories of the Civil War. 
but they will never teach you that in history class. That in the South we had land. We are owners of land. We had ownership of lands or back as the 18th century or 1700s. Okay. Okay, let me move on. Okay. It says here, who is Ben York to Anna Marie, the former empress, half-brother, no, chief, or called Chief Black Thunderbird, was his tribal name, or was the chief tribal name, or Chief Black Thunderbird. As you heard of Chief, Chiefess Sugarfoot, you heard of, uh, I like my name, tribal name, is Chief Long Wolf. Okay. Okay, Chief Black Thunderbird Eagle, Dr. Reverend Malachi Z. York L., is a direct descendant from the bloodline of Ben York, thus forever tying the Yamasee Moors to the Washita Moors. The Yamasee is another tribe uh, broke, uh, that broke off from the Moors, or spent off from the uh, Washita, these are among the Empire Moors. Okay? Because you had different spinoffs of different tribes from the Washita. Here's another questionnaire. Kamsa. Who was the Kamsa Compton Bay? A Shawnee chief that cursed the presidency and and he the last to hold the Moors flag against the US. But you find it to Kamsha. Okay? Remember the name. Tecumsha. Compton Bay. Alright, look it up. Who was the first actual president? John Hanson, a Moor. Who was the first president under the Articles of Confederations? Okay, George Washington referred to the election of John Hanson by stating, I congratulate you, Your Excellency, Your Excellency, on your appointment to fill the most important seat in the United States. This is documented. Now, there's not something that has some somebody so hearsay or say so, or he said, she said mess. This is well documented. I'll, I'll repeat it again. George Washington referred to the election of John Hanson by stating, I congratulate you, Excellency, on your appointment to fill the most important seat in the United States. John Hanson served as president during, during what years? The answer is November 5th, 1781 to November 4th, of 1782 A.D. in the year of domination. On what year was the Declaration of Independence signed? July 4th, 1776, in the year of domination. Eight other Moorish presidents served between the years of 1783-1789 in the year of domination. Who are they? Elias Boudino. November 4th to 1782 to 1783. Mifflin, November 3rd, 1783 to 1784. Richard Henry Lee, November 30th, 1784 to 85. The fifth one, John Hancock, November 23rd, 1785 to 1786, who was also the first 
signed the Declaration of Independence. The sixth president, Nathaniel Gorham, June 6, 1786 to 1787. Number seven, the seventh president, Arthur St. Clair, February 2nd, 1787 to 1788. And the eighth president, Cyrus Griffin, January 26, 1788 to 1789. Okay? And what year did George Washington become president, 1789. Thus, George Washington was actually what president? The ninth president, but the first president under the U.S. Constitution. Under the U.S. Constitution. John Hanson was the first president under Articles of Confederation. You had the Articles of Confederation, you had the Articles of Association. The Bill of Rights and the U.S. Constitution. As a matter of fact, there were several presidents under the Continental Congress. Who were they? Peyton Randolph, 17th, November 5th, 1774, who was the grandfather of Pasho Beverly Randolph, the former Supreme Grand Master of all the Rosicrucians in the world. Pashaw Beverly Randolph was also a Moor. He was known as a man of mixed blood, or what some people call a mulatto. You find more about that in the book called The Brotherhood of Luxor. I don't know if it's still in print or not. I uh, forgot the author's name, but you can look that up, that information up, if you have any doubts. Okay? Okay. Mr. Henry Middleton, October 22, 1774. Peyton Randolph, May 10, 1775. John Hancock. May 24, 1775, Henry Lawrence, November 1st, 1777, and John J. December 10th, and 1778, Samuel Huntington, September 28, 1779, and Thomas McKean, July 10th, 1781. Did Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation free the POWs, prisoners of war, misnomer slaves, in 1863? Hell no. That's going to be my answer. For one thing, he wasn't actually the commander-in-chief because civil war was never declared. I've uh, made this statement in several other lectures, but I'm making it again for those who haven't heard this before. It might be so that he, he said that uh, already. Yeah, I know I said it already, but I'm saying it again. Because there are those that haven't heard this before. There are those that still don't know that civil war was never declared. In order for you to be commander-in-chief, you have to go to Congress. Congress have to give you that title, commander-in-chief, until the war is over or hostilities is over. Then he, the president, will have to give the title commander-in-chief back to Congress. None of that never happened because the Civil War was never declared. 
Therefore, President Abraham Lincoln, he had the power or would you say the authority to free the slaves, but he didn't have the right to do it. Though a lot of that was they uh, could have been, uh, some people say, noble of him, you know. But, nevertheless, no, he never freed the slaves. Not lawfully, anyway. Okay? Okay, let me move along here. Then what freed the POW slaves? The 13th Amendment contains three empowering and liberation provisions of emancipation. 37 Congress, number one, a revision of the military code forbidding soldiers to return slaves to slave owners. Number two, the Confiscation Act, which freed the slaves of allowed rebels to de jure and free all slaves de facto who escaped or came into contact with the Union Army. And three, an act that freed all slaves and their families who enlisted in the Union Army. Okay, here's another question. Did the U.S. finish paying for the Louisiana Purchase? Hell no again. Does this mean that the land was supposed to go back into the hands of the Washita? Yes. Thus making the Empress an heir to the 1795 special, I mean Spanish, land grant, Maison Rouge. The Louisiana Purchase consists of what states? Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Minnesota, Nebraska, Colorado, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri. Arkansas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Texas, Alabama, or some people say Alabama, Utah, New Mexico, Florida, etc. The Washita, Washita govern, governing more than 3 million acres. The Empress Riachi Tierra Washita, Tunica, Guston L. Bay, and the Washita hold on the title to the areas west of the Allegheny Appalachian Mountains. This land has never been a part of the United States of America. It is the same land that Abraham Lincoln spoke of returning to the Moors after slavery. Now the question is, is this the same land that Abraham Lincoln spoke of returning to the Moors after slavery? Yes. That is the answer. He called it the Egypt of the West. In or Central America, the land between the Rockies and the, Al- <clears throat> the Allegheny Mountains from the Gulf of Mexico up into Canada and on both sides of the Mississippi. <clears throat> Is there any proof of this? Yes. In 1848, the Washita and Tunica nations took their land before the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, and won their case under Judge Taney the same judge that ruled over Dred Scott case.
those who are conscious to know why Dred Scott was sent back to his slave master. But so that not conscious, those who are not conscious of this, Dred Scott keep on telling them that his name was Dred Scott. He keep on telling them that he was a, he was still the property of the Scott plantation. He was still their property, so they had no choice but to render the Scott plantation owners back their slave. Okay? I want you to get the understanding of that. Not because he was so-called black. Well, yes, because he was black, too. Yeah, it is, in a way, because he kept on telling them that he was a Negro. <clears throat> Therefore, he had no connection, no nationhood to any nation. Therefore, he had any rights. International law could not come to his aid. Because Negro, black, or colored, there's no such people in any part of the human family. Okay. Let me move along here. Who was Judge Taney? He was the same judge who in 1856 gave his opinion, which was not a legal decision in the Dred Scott case, which basically states there is nothing a Negro, Negro has that a white man is bound to respect. Who was Jamal al-Din al-Afghani? He was a master adept who visited the U.S. in the winter of 1882-83. By the early 1880s, the Drew family is known to have settled in New Jersey. However, it is in New York City that the Drew family is said to have been taught, taught by the great Muslim master adept. The family has also been linked to the more Zionist temple of Brooklyn, New York. Leon Rechelieu. <clears throat> okay, there's a question mark there. The 1964, who was the founder of the first Moorish Hebrew sect, which was established in 1899, almost about the turn of the century. <clears throat> Who was the first prophet, Timothy Drew Ali? I mean, what year was the, uh, was the prophet Nobar Drew Lee born? The year was 1886, and he transitioned in 1929. Prophet Noble Timothy Drew Ali learned under or uh, who did Prophet Noble Ali learn under? During his early teenage years, Drew Ali arrived in Egypt, Kama'at, to study among Jamal Adin al-Afghani and Muhammad Abdul. While studying at Al-Azhar University, Drew Ali came under the influence of Muhammad Rashid Ridi, 1865 to 1935 A.D., and Aziz Ali al-Masri Bey, 1878. He died in 1965 in the year of domination, as well as the great Egypto-Sudanese nationalist Dusay Muhammad Ali Effendi, 
1866-1945 in the year of domination, who was also the teacher of the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, founder of the UNIA, United Negro Improvement Association. It is also said that the Prophet Noble Joali Turner, it is also said that the Prophet Noble Timothy Turner Drew Ali studied at the old Ethiopia College in Vatican City in Italy, Rome. And what year did the Empress Veriatitiara Washita Washington Tunica Bay, Gustin L. Bay, file to redeem land from the state of Louisiana, Louisiana, February 12, 1991? Now we talk about recent history. That was recent. I'm going to read this again. Read this again. And what year did the Empress Veriachi, Tierra, Tierra, Washita Tunica, Gustin L. Bay, file to redeem land? from the state of Louisiana, February 12, 1991. We're talking, see, we're talking only 20, what, 23, 24 years ago? All right. The state of Louisiana returned how many acres of land to the Empress Veriachi, Tierra, Washita, Tunica, Augusta L. Bay, 68,883 acres. What date was the land returned? August 1st, 1st, 1992. The Empress evoked a of emergency. Proclamation signed by George Bush ordering all colorless, pale people to be ordered airlifted from her in what year? What year? August 10, 1992, the Empress mailed a claim and demand to the said state of Louisiana for 30, $388 billion U.S. and gold and silver to be paid to the Washita de la Mondia Moore Empire for use of Washita's proper, uh, property land. Did the Empress receive it? No, she didn't. Even though the said state of Louisiana did Respond by letter, however, to this date, no payment has been paid. Okay. How much do the 13 United States, the United States and the United States of America, owe the Washita for the dispossessions of our people and the unauthorized occupation of our lands? 80 quadrillion non-counterfeit U.S. dollars. Now, you know they can never pay that back, don't you? They can never pay that back. So what does that tell you also, boys? They are in debt to us. They are in debt to so-called black people. Not only they are in debt to China, they are in debt to the Moorish Empire, Great Seal, Washington, Dito, Lamandia, Empire Nation as well. It's sad that most, that the vast majority of our people don't even know this because they're still calling themselves black, negro, colored, people of color, African Americans. They're still calling themselves Jones, Johnson, and Smith, and Williams, and Jefferson. They have not declared their nationality and birthright. 
they still transacting business in other families' names other than their own. They're honoring our ancient foremothers and forefathers. Other peoples of other nations of the human family honor their ancient foremothers and forefathers. Most of us don't. But a lot of our people want to command respect from the rest of the civilized world. But it's not going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Come until until we come into ourselves, until we start recognizing ourselves. We have to recognize we have to recognize ourselves as a people. Recognize ourselves as Aboriginal Indigenous people of the world. That's the only way that's going to happen. But the only thing that's holding us back is us, the Europeans. Imagine, boys, if, or I would say, at least, at least, at least about 70 of our Asiatic sisters and brethren would nationalize right now. <clears throat> the game will be over. The game will be over. The rest of the 30% will follow suit because they won't have no choice. Problem. The European structured empire in this part of all over the world is, is, is no, it's has already come to an end. But the problem is, the whole world is waiting on us, and most of us are not ready. This is the problem. We haven't woken up yet. We're still asleep. We're still dead in the view of the law. We're still carrying names, doing business and transacting, buying and other people's, other families' names. Taking on our slave master's spirituality, rituals and religions. Calling us having a record of their own Christianity that actually, actually is not our own. The number one biggest problem okay I'm moving along here the title Prince of the Washington Deed of the Monday Moorish Empire was bestowed upon Ramesses Abel Bay by Her Highness the Empress Riachi Tiara Washita Gustin L. Bay, officially in what year? It was June 7, 1899. Prince Ramesses Abel Bay, Prince Houghton Tupac Bay, was the founder of the United Washington Deed of the Moors Nation. Do you know who the Washington 
mound builders are. They were singled out by the United Nations in 1993 as the oldest indigenous nation. They are descendants of the Kamatu, Egyptian who are the same as the Olmecs and Sumerians. Generally, they are the lineage of Israel and the Earth's oldest indigenous nation. There was an international trade network over the Atlantic. The Muslim Moors of the Islamic Empire were the last empire that we function under in mass. There are more pyramids in the Western Hemisphere than, than they are in the East, and we are the direct descendants of these great architects. The truth about the mound builders is suppressed. Why? Because they were an advanced civilization of dark-skinned, woolly-haired, so-called blacks who were indigenous, native to North America, kin to the Olmecs of South America. The so-called black mound builders were the Washita Moors, the original inhabitants of North and South America. Many native so-called blacks and not descendants of African slaves. And they were not. If you, if you, uh, those of you that saw the movie Amistad, and remember, one the actor Morgan Freeman, the character he played, he wanted to travel. He was looking at, uh, along the shipping docks of different African Moors who spoke a certain a certain tribal language. And you, if you saw, you saw different Moors walking around. Uh, some with their husband and wives just walking around, just casually shopping, looking for, for food, fruit, vegetables, and stuff like that. What did that tell you? They were slaves because slaves don't do that. Slaves weren't allowed to do that. If you look at remember the scene where Morgan Freeman had went upon the slave ship. And he saw shackles of every kind, blood, everything of a dehumanizing nature. Why did that shock him so? Why did that shock him so? Because he never was a slave. This is the message that they were sending you in the sending to you in the movie Amistad. But of course, most of our people didn't pick up, pick that up. Okay. Okay. Let me see what else. Okay. The so-called black mound builders were the Washita Moors of the original habits of North and South America. Many, most so-called blacks in North America are unknowing, unknowing descendants of these mound-building indigenous native so-called blacks and not descendants of African slaves. America is or Amuruka or Amorica or Morocco, this massive country. I'm not saying all these different names for America because it depends upon which tribal nation uh, 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 you come from. You know, some say America, some says uh, America, some say um, uh, uh, A-M-O-O-R-I-K-C-A, uh, A-M-U-U-R-I-C-A, uh, A-M-U-K-I-K-A, 
A-M-U-R-U-K-A. It depends on which tribe you came from. <clears throat> All relating to the word Morocco. Okay, let's say again, Morocco is the, is, is, is the continent which is misnomer America. Okay, it says here, the massive remains of this and the ancient black civilization empire stands as one of the best kept archaeological secrets in the Americas. Long before the arrival of Columbus is abundant, from the distinctly Negroid features of colossal Olmec sculptured heads and the pre-Aztec Isidian bowl being upheld by a figure with unmistakably black characteristics to the bones of Negroid persons, excavated from a 2,000-year-old mound in northern Wisconsin. A wealth of a material exists to establish the, certain, the certainty of non-white, non-Indian population living in pre-Columbian America along with these other groups. Though so many mounds have been deliberately destroyed, over 200,000 ancient pyramids and huge mounds of earth in the shape of cones, animals, and geometric designs, can be still found from the southern coast of America to Canada. These structures were built by so-called obscure people, largely known as the mound builders. And if you notice, I probably used the word Negroid, Negro, black people, because that's the way it was written in the book. So bear with me. So this is the story of the uh, the African discovery of America. Uh, this is how you know they were the first inhabitants of this land. And as again, as I go back to the difference between the Moor science temple temples and dealing with the other Moors, Moors of the Moors Divine National Movement, the only difference is is the teachings. Like I said, and I say it again. The Moorish Temple, or the Moorish Science Temple of American Carpenter, they all have been compromised. You may have a few that's broken away from that, that has realized that Noble Duali's teachings has been taught wrong and is trying to get back on the right or straight path. You have a few, a few Moorish Science Temples that are doing that. But we all are Moors. RV, we the RV Bay Publishing's, you know, uh, like I said, Great Seal, Clock of Destiny, uh, what, whatever. Moore's Order, the Round Table. We all under the Great Seal. United Washington, D. Don Amandia Moore, Nation Empire. We all under the Great Seal. The Kitiwa, Yamasi, Nanako. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all are under the great seal of the Moorish nation. Or you can say the Moorish empire. Because this is the Moroccan empire. Here in America, in the Americas, or the Almorocks. We are all Moroccans. Descendants of, descendants of those Moroccans. It's, just, it's the only difference. Like you cannot, 
and the more signs temple, they do not give you paperwork to proclaim your nationality. And paperwork is what you, you must have. You must have paperwork. And I say it again because paperwork was done on us when we were born. So therefore, we had to use paperwork to undo the unjust and the unjust things that were done to our people. And you have to uh, you go by getting your nationality papers. You have where it says purchase a rat, where it says purchase a rat, and a couple of signatures. You have to have those notarized. Those are the papers you have to get notarized. The papers we have perjury surat on them. Then you get that done. You take all your papers to the county recorder of records and deeds for the public record. And also for the for the I mean for the county the county the county because the why the county because the county is the republic or the law. The city is corporate. That's the difference. You don't want to do corporate. You don't want to do city. You want to do the county. And some and and, and if you want to do do take it further, you want to you want to go to the newspapers and get it published. After a couple of weeks or thirty days, they can you know tell you yeah no one else has that name, but it's not necessary because it's already been stated for the public record. You already proclaimed that for the public record. Then you can say take it to the uh, the circuit. Uh, county clerk office. Also, you may want to, you know, use your free national name. You may not want to use Henry Jones, uh, Larry Smith, uh, Mike and Michael Benjamin no more. You want to use your, your free national name. You want to let the world know who you are. This is the way this is done. When you stand up in the temple and say you're a Moorish American, like the the uh, the Moorish uh, uh, science temples do around the Union States, and that's it. No, that's not how you proclaim your nationality. That they're not going to teach you or tell you because they have been compromised. Because no, one, one thing, they under the 501c3, not a 508. The 501c3, that means that you belong to the corporate war state. Then you say anything they say or do contrary to what they told them not to say, they will shut them down or probably arrest the Grand Sheik and shut their temples down. That's why they cannot teach you what we talk about. And you have a lot of Moors in these Moor science temples thinking that they're actually nationalized. You've got a lot of them think, actually, actually thinking that. But I'm here to tell you, you're not, sisters and brothers. Those of you that are listening to this to this to this station or listening to this show, you are not nationalized. 
until you do what I just said, told you to do. Okay, this is all I have for you tonight. I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm here to teach. Not to offend anyone. I step on anyone's toes. Okay? And I say to this in the, in the Algonquin, Washita language, Mawasama Dakunda. That means peace family. And to the rest of the civilized world, we out.